would you do if your son was at home, crying all alone on the bedroom floor because he's hungry, and the only way to feed him is to sleep with a man for a little bit of money, and his daddy's gone, somewhere smoking rock now, in and out of lockdown, I ain't got a job now. So for you, this is just a good time. But for me, this is what I call life well spent with Garrett and Amber. I'm Garrett. I'm Amber. Yeah, we did it. (laughs) We did it. Oh, that was cute. I was talking to a a friend of ours earlier today, and uh, we couldn't remember which episode, but the one where I did a WAP, but made Uh it for the podcast, he didn't. He didn't say he didn't like it. He just said that one kind of made him feel a way. I think that one maybe made it's him just, feel away. Uh, maybe it's just because I love the song, but I love that one. But I think that one might have made him a little uncomfortable, or mm. just all right. Maybe he was waiting for me to to bring a a hard P into the conversation. That could be. I honestly, I still don't know where we're at on cursing in this show. Where we're at? Yeah, because like I I curse. I enjoy a good curse. Yeah. Of, I do too. A, a good. A... I mean, I think if the you know if you feel like cursing, just curse. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe he thought I was gonna say pussy real loud, and that <laughs> that got him uncomfortable. And then I and then I pulled up, pulled hard back on the rudder or whatever. Plain terminology. You did come in pretty hot with that that intro. So. Yeah. Well, it's because she hits the the bees and the pe- and yeah. Mop. I feel yeah. like you love oh, saying that. It's the best. Uh, it's like uh, the uh, the most beautiful. Word in the English language is cellar door. That's like an old saying hmm. or maybe part of a poem. But I think they should update that to get a bucket and a mop. <laughs> oh, it's so fun to say. All right. So if you haven't been listening, this is your first episode. First of all, welcome. Welcome. Uh, this is a podcast. We just started doing this month. And Amber and I, Amber's my wife, I'm her husband. Uh, we're watching a horror movie every day. Uh, nothing super new. We're not, you know, mm-hmm. reinventing the wheel. But uh, we decided that since we're doing this, we're going to start recording a podcast. Um, at the why en- not? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got the time. We, well, we got the equipment because I like new toys and I wanted to buy some equipment. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're just going to kind of talk about the movies we've been watching, um, both for the 31 horror movies in Halloween uh, and we're also going to talk about other stuff we're into. Um, and at the end of this episode, we're going to talk about what we're doing next month. Cause frankly, it's not sustainable for, for us to watch something every single day. Uh, yeah, so this has been a lot. This is a big project. It's for been us. pretty intense. Yeah. Like the first couple of weeks I'm like, Oh, this is fun. Yeah. And then you, you keep going. You're like, wow, this is yeah. a long month. <laughs> we're trying to get better, trying to do some actual research. So we kind yeah. of bring some knowledge and some viewpoints to the show. So Yeah. Yeah, we kind of want to pull back a little bit and just kind of focus our efforts more on less media. Yeah. Uh, so we can hopefully do a better job of, of talking about it. So, But we'll talk about that later. Um, and yeah, we're recording at almost 10 p.m., which, you know, mm-hmm. we got a six-year-old son. It's usually my bedtime. Yeah, so. yeah. You were in bed at like 9.30 last night. Oh, yeah, I believe it. What happened? Was, was it the sushi? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that sushi knocked you out. It filled me up. Yeah, called that sushi NyQuil. Man, mm. yeah. Mm. I get a full tummy and I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I was ready to play some board games and you were done. Yep. Dunion rings. <laughs> okay, so first thing we like to do is we talk about uh, something other than the horror movies that we've been into this week. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything substantial or crazy, but I th- I think I started last week. 
I don't remember, but I think of it is something that you're going into. Yeah. Oh, sure, I can start. Oh Why wait, not? no. Last week we just did Bly Manor, so it was kind of oh, a, it was mutual. kind of a tie. Mm-hmm. But uh, whatever, you go first, I guess. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Why not? Um, I guess I've just kind of been rewatching Shit's Creek recently mm. um because with all the horror movies that we've been watching as much as i love them they're kind of downers yeah unless they're like a funny one or something cutesy or whatever yeah like young frankenstein that was, was a nice breath of fresh air totally but mostly but we just got done with like hereditary today and you know that could be kind of a, a bummer mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so yeah Shit's creek is just like an overall wholesome good show and I... it makes me laugh out loud i don't think i've laughed more out loud at any other show except for maybe New Girl, because Ooh. I love Schmidt. Yeah, Schmidt yeah. is my man, and New Girl. Schmidt's great. So funny. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they're very different because yeah, yeah, New Girl. It seems like especially well, no, I think the whole cast they really do a lot of improv, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know usually it's really fantastic, uh, but I feel like Schitt's Creek they really stick to the script. They do, but I like that they kind of. They like the pauses in between lines too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, with New Girl, it's like every you know everybody's talking bop, over bop, bop, like bop, one right after yep, the other. Yep. Shit's Creek, it's like it's a pregnant pause, and yeah, you don't yeah, mind it. You yeah. know what I mean? So well, it's the, so the, fun. They're also incredibly talented and physically expressive. Yeah. The, yeah, a lot of times the words aren't necess- like uh, Dan Levy. Just oh man, his faces are incredible. David. <laughs> Ew, David. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, that, that show swept at the Emmys this year. They, Emmys? Yeah. They, I think they won every award that they were nominated yeah. for. Yeah. Well-deserved. So most people know about it. If you don't, you like, gotta track watch it. it down. It's Netflix. And we're back. We had to take a quick kid <laughs> break because uh, our, and- our, our cat was bugging our son. And yeah. that is... Big no no at that time. Yeah, yeah, that's she can be that's kind a of a nuisance in there. So big to do. So we were talking about Shit's Creek. Uh, track it down. It's just a fantastic show. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, got Eugene Levy, his son Dan Levy, ran the writers' room. Catherine and, O'Hara. Oh, she's great. Which I love that she has the essence of her character from Beetlejuice in this. A little one. bit. A little bit. Like she. When they brought her on, she brought in the accent. Yeah. And she brought in all the wigs that she wears. Yeah. She's like, I'll do it, but can I wear wigs? Yeah. You know? Um, and I love that they, they the fashion of what everybody wears is pretty prominent. Yeah. I'm I'm not a, a huge fashion guy. I mean, I, I like it. I'm just not well-informed. But you can tell the fashion. I mean, it it, it is... Uh, it almost dictates the character. I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. It, it is a it, part of the character. Yeah, it for informs sure. you about the character's personality. And oh man, I just love it. You just get excited with every new episode as to what are they going to be wearing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'd I'd love so to hear fun. from people that are into fashion or uh, design. I mean, I know one of your sisters is really into fashion. Mm-hmm. If somebody can give us some insight on like some of the things they wear and maybe what it means or what it meant to you, it's just it's again one of those big blind spots in my knowledge. But uh, it's such a huge part of that show. Uh, it's really interesting. But we're, what were you into this week? So I've been staying up late because I am fully hooked on this game called Hades. Um, I got it uh, a couple weeks ago, and then uh, some other stuff came up. Like uh, there's a game called Baldur's Gate 3 
I'll probably dig into a little later. That one's like super nerd, like um, D&D style, mm -hmm. uh, but a video game. But then I started to get back into Hades, um, and it's incredible. Uh, it's, it's, oh my God, cat just jumped on my lap. Okay. <laughs> yeah, hi. Do you want to say hi? No. Let's try. No. Let's try. Say something. Can you say something? She's okay. like, no, get me down. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to pressure you. It's a roguelike game. I always forget if it's roguelike or roguelite, but regardless, um, what it means is you are a character and you start off the game very weak, um, a, a basic bitch, if you will. Uh, <laughs> and the idea is that you die and you come back and you start again and you die and you come back and start again. And you're supposed to not only get better because you're learning the game, uh, but you're getting better because as you play through, you earn better kind of power ups that you can get in subsequent run throughs. Okay. Um, so uh, this game, you play uh, Zagreus, the son of. Uh, um, oh my God. Uh, the, Hades? Is his name Hades? I don't know. I thought Hades was the place. I swear I've been playing this game. Uh, I feel like Hades is a person. Is that the okay? Oh my God. I don't Let's, know. Yeah, man, I used to know a ton about Greek mythology. Yeah, so yeah, Hercules um, and Hades was a bad guy. Was Hades that? the bad guy? I, yeah. So where did he, where did Hades live then? I thought he lived in Hades. Oh, maybe. God damn it! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh my God! Everybody yell at us. So sorry. Yeah. So he is the son of the the king of the underworld, Hades, um, and he wants to get out. Uh, he, there's just really bad family drama legitimately in the game. Like he wants to get out cause he hates his father and he, uh, just, he wants to get to the surface. He's searching for something. So you need to battle through these levels to get from the depths of the underworld, uh, all the way up to the surface where mortals are. Um, and, uh, this game has been described as like a very horny game. Which, not to say that any of the writing or the character interactions are sexual in nature. Uh, it's a very pretty game. Uh, mm -hmm. When you're talking to another character, um, it'll just show a still of your character to indicate who's talking. And all of the Greek gods, as you can imagine, are sexy as hell. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, even Dionysus, he's the Greek god of like wine and partying. Oh, nice. Usually in a lot of media, he's shown as like kind of a fat dude laying on a fainting bed on a chaise lounge. <laughs> in this one, he sounds like, uh, oh, geez, the main guy from Castle and Firefly, uh, Nathan oh. Fillion. Okay. He yeah, sounds like Nathan sure. Fillion, and he's he's ripped. The dude's yoked. And uh, um, so everybody's just like super hot. Uh, whenever Aphrodite comes on, she's wearing nothing, but everything's covered by her hair. Oh my gosh. And yeah, it's, it's hard to like, I won't get into the, the nuts and bolts of the game too much, <laughs> but when she comes around, I pay attention if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but also, um, the really cool, th my favorite part of the game so far is, uh, there's, when you're going through the level, um, you can pick different doors and mm -hmm. the doors will kind of indicate, you know, do you want to go through this door and possibly get a power up from Poseidon? Or do you want to go through this door and maybe uh, get increase your maximum health? Things like that. So you can kind of dictate where you're going. Um, 
but every once in a while there will be an exclamation point on the door, meaning that you're visiting a different character, uh, mm-hmm. a different non-playable character. And there's this one lady who is, uh, I believe uh, she was a, uh, I don't know if she was, I don't think she was a nymph. I think she was um, a muse. Hmm. And uh, I'm sure she's very well known in Greek culture, but uh, or Greek mythology. Um, but she just, she cooks. She cooks all the time because now she's down in Hades and she's got nothing but time. And... Uh, um, Every time you go in, she's singing this gorgeous song. I'm going to have to play for you because it just, every time I take a little extra time going through that room, because, you know, you go up to her and she's very sweet and she gives you a certain power up and then you're on your way. Right. I always hang out for at least another five seconds because it's the most gorgeous song. And it's just things like that. that uh, it was made by Supergiant Games. They've done a bunch of games and they're all known for being very, beautiful great soundtracks um usually there's a narrator uh over the top like a like a a, um i don't know what the word would be like just somebody that's not a playable character narrating over the game Mm -hmm. um has all that stuff but it's it's gorgeous and the gameplay is so fun and rewarding very cool um yeah yeah and i think before we're done i need to look up the king of hades um I might have to uh, watch you sometime because I think that was like one of my favorite classes in school was like mythology. Yeah, I always loved mythology too. So yeah. like that's part of why I love it so much. We love mythology so much, but we can't remember the friggin' name of the. I know. Can you look it up real quick? <laughs> Would you mind? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's like you start off and maybe you get a few rooms into the first world, or you get to the first boss and you get your butt kicked. And uh, you try again, and you just you get better, and you earn better power-ups. What, that's what I like about this game is it's balanced between you getting better at the game but also getting better stuff. There's a game called Spelunky, and Spelunky 2 just came out. And that game it seems like it's purely just get better at the game, which is cool. Like you learn the language of the game, what to do, what not to do. But I like when there's a balance of, oh, okay, I can tell I'm getting better at this game, but also now I have this really cool greek mythology assault rifle that shoots rockets like i think that's a that's a fun balance because you should be rewarded for for getting further and getting better um and that you know then feeds into you actually getting further in the game so Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's really incredible so this is interesting you know we're so with hades Mm -hmm. um yes it is greek god um but he does not reside on mount olympus right but it says the underworld itself, sometimes known as Hades, oh. after its patron god. God, his name is Hades and yeah. they live in... Oh, I'm embarrassed. That, that, well, technically both. I mean, the underworld. Yeah. It's also Hades. Eh, interesting. So we are both right and both wrong at the same time. Yeah, we're weird. Do- fantastic. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the movies, guys. Yeah. I, I think I yelled something last time, but now I don't remember what I yelled, so... That's fine. Our kids eh. sleep in anyways. All right. So first movie we watched this week was The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And that film was uh, from 2005, uh, directed by Scott Derrickson and uh, written by Paul Harris Boardman and Scott Derrickson himself. Um, a lawyer takes on a negligent homicide case involving a priest who performed an exorcism on a young girl. My understanding is that this, this is based on a true story. 
I know nothing more than that. I mean, based on a true story is a pretty loose term. I mean, like, Silence of the Lambs was based on a true story just because they took parts of, like, uh, oh, it was Ed Gein or some some mm. serial killer would skin people and make lamps and crap like that. But it's very loose. Yeah. So, like, yeah, based on a true story means Could be a world nothing. of Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you, I like this You like this movie. Yeah. I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. We can disagree and still love each other deeply. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, mainly because I think um, oh, who is the actress? The main actress. Uh, yeah, Laura Linney. Does that sound right? Uh, Laura Linney. Yep. Yes, she sold it for me. She's great. Her acting well, in that. Wait, she's the defense attorney. No, no, no. Oh, the, uh, the one who played Emily. Yeah, yeah. Let me. Uh, she was also in Dexter, which I really loved that show. Yeah. Too. Um, uh, let's see. Jennifer Carpenter. Jennifer Carpenter. Yep. Yeah, she really sold it for me. She did an amazing job. Brought a, Rose. an amazing physicality to the role. And just the, her facial expressions yeah. and the screen. Oh, ugh, just she did a great job. There's a scene towards the end where they're trying to do an exorcism in the barn, or maybe it's before when she's in the house and she's really going through it. But her, they probably uh, messed with the sound quite a bit just to you know really get the guttural like screams. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we're messing with mics. Um, Can you hear but that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, she like some of the just like I was oh, I was sitting so next good. to Amber and I was like playing guitar like it was it was a metal <laughs> song. It was just uh, it was yeah yeah. I want to back that like backtrack that. <laughs> it would make a pretty good metal song. Yeah. I feel like oh yeah, but uh, yeah, and uh, this one is interesting because it has a lot of courtroom scenes built yeah. into it. I mean, it takes place after uh, not spoilers. This is the story. Emily Rose passed away because um, she thought she had a demon inside of her, and this priest tried to do an exorcism, and mm-hmm. uh, he's brought up on uh, negligent homicide. Um, some of the courtroom scenes fell a little flat, mostly due to some of the supporting care, uh, supporting actors, uh, performances. They're just mm. really dull. Um, and then, you know, you mix that in with whenever it goes to, um, the woman playing Emily Rose, just like beating the shit out of herself for this role. It really shows when some other actors, I don't know if they're like sleepwalking. Yeah. They're, it's just really muted roles. I don't know. Uh, yeah. The, their performance is really muted. So that, that got to me. Yeah. And I think you talked about how the movie kind of didn't make up their mind, make up your mind for you as to whether or not she was possessed. Yeah. I kind of felt like they aimed it the way that they wrote it. They made you feel like it, you were one of the jury, Yeah. a juror, you know? Um, and yeah. So I think that with every, um, defense that, um, oh, what are they called? The lawyers that, like Emily's lawyer versus yeah, oh, the prosecutors versus the defense attorneys. Thank you. Yeah, um, you know they were able to have very valid arguments. Yeah, that made you believe like, oh, maybe it wasn't. Like maybe this is mm-hmm. like scientific and not. Well, and whenever yeah, whenever one uh, attorney is making an argument for something, they actually show it. Um, show the actor playing Emily Rose doing that. So mm-hmm. there's the scientific argument where it looks like she's having a seizure right after the defense makes the uh, argument that basically she was possessed, mm-hmm. which I get that. But then there's some other stuff where basically the defense attorney feels like she's being assaulted by a, a demon or an evil spirit. Right. So 
the movie is telling me that no, she was really possessed. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I see what you're saying, and I like that they tried that, but I wonder if maybe they needed to pad out the runtime a little bit so they added in that stuff because I didn't like. Maybe. I didn't think yeah. the movie needed that. I think it would have been really good if it would have been ambiguous, truly ambiguous, right? And you don't you don't know what happened. That would have been really cool. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, according to the movie, you know, Emily Rose just she had the option to die and go to heaven or continue to live through this horrible exorcism to like teach people yeah to spread the word of god and she decided to to go through with it um so i i I guess the movie's good at doing that Mm -hmm. and and that's cool like i mean we've got friends and family that are uh, have a faith-based life uh so i i honestly think this would be a really good movie for them Mm -hmm. um Cool. It seems, yeah, kind of reaffirms that that which is, yeah, uh, fantastic. You know, thought it was. I I just thought it was fine. Like mm-hmm. I think there's better. If you're looking for an exorcism movie, go somewhere else. You know, if you're <laughs> looking for kind of a faith based horror movie, I mean, you found it. Yeah. Like you, yeah, found it in one. Mm-hmm. Congrats. So next we watched uh, Let the Right One In. This is I want to say a Swedish film. I'll look into it. Uh, made in 2008. Ooh. Hey, wife, you want to read the original title? Oh, no. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. You won't offend Lat anybody. den mm-hmm. rate comma in. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Because you're Terrible. partly Swedish, right? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Did yeah. you know that, honey? Yeah. Well, I mean, pretty white. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let the right one in. Uh, Oscar, an overlooked and bully boy, finds love and revenge through Ellie, a beautiful but per- peculiar. Oh my God, peculiar girl. <laughs> this was directed by Thomas Alfredson, uh, written by. Oh, this is cool. Uh, so it was written by John Ajvid Lindquist, <laughs> uh, and he wrote the novel as well. And I actually oh, have cool. the novel. I've never read it. Because um, I watched the movie first, and then I bought the book, and I'm like, what am I doing? I already know the story. Yeah. Yep. Should have done the other way around. Yeah, That's I know. Always better. Yeah. Um, yeah, let me see if... Uh, do you want to talk about how you felt about the movie, honey? And I'll see where the... Um, yeah, I thought this was a really, like, cute... Even though it's it's a vampire movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it was a cute, like, pre-teen love movie. So I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think that it would be everybody's cup of tea, Mm. you know, um, because I feel like you kind of have to like that type of a movie, I guess. And I don't know, maybe it's just a, because it was a foreign film that it's a little bit different than vampire movies that we do here, Mm. you know, so you kind of have to appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. And yeah, I felt like it was kind of gruesome but not really and i don't know you kind of really rooted for the little 12 year old boy and his little girlfriend yeah the movie absolutely shines when uh the little boy and the vampire girl are on screen they Mm -hmm. have fantastic chemistry Mm -hmm. uh there's some other adults in the movie that when it gets to them the movie really kind of slows down and uh and just gets awkward there there's some old swedish drunks in there that yeah that die and i mean it's fine like i i feel like with a movie like this you've you know you 
you've got to show the vampire being a vampire and there's got to be a kind of a body count but it's it's not i didn't think it was the most entertaining even kind of some of the gory violence stuff that you associate with a vampire movie i don't really think that's the most entertaining part of this film mm-hmm. like i feel like it's the relationship between the kids yeah and then there's a scene at the end of the pool that is shot so well so cool oh, such yeah. a great idea um those are the parts that really shine in this movie for me Mm-hmm. Um, when we started watching it, I know I'd seen it in the past, but, uh, Amber was like, wait, haven't we seen this? It looked really familiar yeah. to me. I want to say we, we probably did watch it. Yeah. I think we watched it with, uh, my brother Dylan and my dad back probably around 2008. Probably. Yeah. Give or take. So wow, long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's a watch it. I mean, even if you watch it once, I think it's, it's just beautiful because mm-hmm. it is like, uh, it's winter throughout the entire movie. So there's some beautiful shots of just uh, white snow falling, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the sky and the black background, the nice contrast there. And I feel like musically it was pretty quiet. Like I don't yeah. remember really any music in the movie, which I, I kind of dig when movies do that. Um, because you kind of, I mean, it still built suspense and like tension, but it didn't necessarily need a whole lot of like jumpy music or anything to do it. Yeah, the quickest way to take me out of a movie is to have something scary happen on the screen and then there's just a loud noise. Ah, uh, yeah. It it feels like the studio or whoever was behind the movie like didn't have enough faith in you as an audience member, so it's like, "Oh, we got to make something super loud so they know they're supposed to be scared." It's like or they want the jump. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's, it's You're not going to get the jump at least lazy. for me. If I get to a scary movie if I'm in a theater, I know I'll like, um, you know, cover my ears mm-hmm. because I know right. if I don't hear the music, I'm not right. going to be as scared. Yeah. It could still be a jumpy part, but I'm not going to yeah. freak out about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Which we've talked about a uh, haunting of Hill House and haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah. Those are great movies where just creepy stuff happens. And the, what's really scary is you slowly picking up on it and then realizing what you're seeing or what's going on. Like there's a ghost in the background or, we're going to talk about Hereditary in a minute. Mm-hmm. Hereditary does a great job of just presenting terrifying visuals mm-hmm. and uh, really sticking with you. What's our cat doing? Attacking the back of your chair. Oh, apparently. good. Good. All right. Next, we watch Stir of Echoes, Revenge of Kevin Bacon. He fully redeemed himself from... Oh, yeah, what movie? Uh, you should have gone. You should have left. You should have left. Yeah, our cat's being a psychopath. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I grew up with this one. Uh, if we can get real, mm-hmm. I think we should get real. Yeah. So, this movie came out in 1999. Okay. Or 2001. I think it was 99. That sounds right. I've got yeah. the, I, what am I doing? I got IMDb up here. 99. 99. There it is. Yeah, so starring Kevin Bacon. Um We'll dig into some more stuff, but I want to get personal. There's a scene early on in the movie where Kevin Bacon is laying in bed and his wife is next to him. And then his wife just kind of gets a feeling about her and a sex scene begins. And that was a big part of my young teen childhood. Just want to let you know, like that one really (laughs) stuck with me. So it was fun to come back and be like, oh yeah, I remember like... I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I absolutely remember that part there's other parts of the movie i didn't remember but when that happened i was like took it right back oh, to being like 12 or something yes again. Yeah. yeah oh it's happening so <laughs> so that was a fun return to form uh but 
something that I thought was cool that I had no idea. This story is based on a Richard Matheson novel. Uh, Richard Matheson, most well-known, he wrote... Um, oh my God, I always forget the name. What was the name of the Will Smith movie? I Am Legend. I Am Legend, yeah. So he wrote I Am Legend. That's been made into movies multiple times. Uh, Omega Man, I believe, is one interpretation of it. Uh, I Am Legend. Um, I, re- I remember reading the graphic novel version of I Am Legend when I was a kid, and I loved it. Uh, Richard Matheson is an incredible uh, author. But uh, the, movie, the movie, I thought the movie was great. Yeah. I think it was even better than I thought, thought it was when I was a kid. Yeah, no, I think it, it aged pretty well. Yeah. You know, it was another one of those like, oh, yeah, that was a style in the 90s, you know, yeah. type of thing. So it's a little nostalgic. But, um, yeah, the storyline was really cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Kevin Bacon redeemed himself for me for sure. He puts on a hell of a performance, big performance too. Yeah. Like he, he takes Like you said, maybe it swings. was the writing that helped him out for Stir of yeah. Echoes, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, overall good movie. I would say definitely watch it. Yeah, yeah. Something I liked, uh, you know, especially when you get bel- before pre-2000, like you get a lot of, I'm going to say the words, like you get retard and you get faggot. And it's Which re- is so uncomfortable It's now really to tough. Yeah, it's, I mean, of course, we're all adults. You got to kind of understand that, oh, this was back then. And it just, it. You know, it's it's less acceptable now, which which I mean, we, we, thinking about it, like, look how far we've come in twenty years. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But something that was cool is there's this this dipshit character. They're in, hmm, where are they? I just forgot. They're was not, it Chicago? It was Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's this. Uh, you know, they all kind of grew up in the same neighborhood, and there's this guy that's just a total idiot, and he refers to this girl as a retard. And there's a guy in the movie that's like, don't say that. Like, don't use that word. And just about beats the crap out of him. That's like, but then that, was they, re- that was refreshing. The only thing. So, yeah, th- yeah they're calling her slow and all that yeah. throughout the whole movie. And she's gone missing. But when they actually introduce her in the movie. She's just wearing glasses. She's only wearing glasses. Yeah. She's a total norm- normal girl. Yeah. They don't. Like, maybe a little shy. But. I wonder if they maybe thought it would be too difficult uh, on the audience for an act of violence to be done against a someone who was more uh, kind of showed more symptoms of a mental right. incapacity or I mean I think that they would definitely hate the person yeah that committed the crime yeah maybe they just didn't want to go there so they just kind of made her wear glasses and let you fill in the blanks of maybe she is uh, men- we even mentally go over, challenged like, uh, storyline I, I didn't thank you <laughs> Uh, like, what are you talking yeah, about? Sorry. sorry. Uh, so uh, after being hypnotized by his sister-in-law, a man begins seeing haunted visions of a girl's ghost and a mystery begins to unfold around him. Yeah. So basically, you know, his mind opens up to this world of... Which is a great idea. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't see that a whole lot. Uh, at least I can't think of a ton of movies that... Well, we saw it in... Uh, what was it? We um, Go On? We Go On. That's yeah. a good point. But... Yeah, so his his mind is now open, and his son his son's mind has been open, has been seeing this ghost inside their home, mm-hmm. which ends up being this girl that has been missing for six months. Yeah. And so now that the dad can basically sense her and sees her sometimes, he's like obsessed with with helping her or figuring this out, I guess. Yeah, and the ghost clearly needs needs and or wants him and his son to help her, so she right. starts getting impatient. And gives them clues as to what yeah. she wants him to do and stuff. Yeah. And ends up finding her body in his basement yeah. and then realizes 
um, somehow he touches the corpse and then she shows him what happened to her. Right. So basically like these high school boys end up trying to like rape her. Yep. Take her to a house that is abandoned at the moment. Yeah. Um, tries to rape her. She fights back. So they put a bag over her head yeah. to shut her up and kill her. Kills her. And the dads cover it up. Yeah. Because one of the one of the kids is a high school football star. He's going to yeah. go all state and go to college, full ride, all that stuff. And the other kid is the son of a cop. So they cover it up. Yeah. Um, but uh, something I really liked that I'd never noticed before. You know, there's, I mean, even imperfect movies, which I like this movie, but it's, it isn't perfect. You get to pick up on really cool things. Like there's a scene where the mother is walking with her son, uh, just kind of taking him on a walk and he's kind of walking funny and dancing around and she's mimicking him and it's a game and it appears to be a direct homage to the shining. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, soon enough, like, uh, the mother and the son run into, a guy who has the same gift as her son has basically the shining. They just don't call it that. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was, I totally forgot about the sun angle and then for them to, uh, you know, basically say, Hey, we're kind of ripping off the shining here a little bit or just sort of, you know, given, given a nod to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Stephen King and maybe Stanley Kubrick, I guess Kubrick cause that shot is very Kubrickian from, the original Shining film. I don't think it was in the book. So oh, okay. it's a very visual thing. Very cool. So anyways, yeah. Um, I really love this movie. Like th- this is probably one of those where maybe I like it too much because I watched a lot as a kid mm-hmm. and it was part of my sexual awakening. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you got uh, a little, little soft yeah, spot in yeah, your heart for this yeah. movie. Um, uh, yeah. I'm not impartial <laughs> by any means. Yeah. But uh, uh, should we go on to the next? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so next we watched May from 2002. May was interesting. It was, I really hated it when I was watching it (laughs) until the last third or the last 30 minutes. Um, and then, uh, I kind of like it more, I think, but I think if I tried to watch it again, I'd really hate it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, the uh, the story. Let's see. It says a socially awkward veterinary assistant with a lazy eye and obsession with perfection descends into depravity after developing a crush on a boy with imp- with perfect hands. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's just a very socially awkward person, and yeah. the, they definitely made you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. So when she when you first meet her, she's a little girl and she has a lazy eye. And her mom, like, basically says, you know, hide it if you want to make friends. Yeah. Gives her a complex and then gives her this doll as a friend. And since she can't make any friends, which she could have if her mom wasn't just being such a jerk. Yeah. Like, who cares? (laughs) No kid's going to care that you have a patch over your eye or whatever. And when we meet her when she's an adult again, she's wearing glasses that correct her lazy eye. And then she gets contacts. And all of a sudden the world's, like, opened up to her. It's like probably could have just done that earlier and been, right. been cool but uh something that was a couple things that were fun so the director and the writer were lucky mckee and this is not the first movie that we've seen from lucky mckee he uh directed and i believe wrote the woman which we watched watched last week yeah and the mom in the woman is played by the same actor as the 
actor that plays May, Angela and she Bettis. Did a great job playing. She's May. she's really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. She was I phenomenal. She killed it. Yep. And it also features a young Anna Ferris. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't look up and see the when. Black hair, which is so weird. It's totally well, scream. Yeah. Right? Like scary movie. Saying. Scary. Yeah. Scary movie. Yeah. She wasn't in scream at all. No. No. Of she, she's in she, charity. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think they came out about the same time. I'm sure they shot around the same time. So young Anna Ferris, and uh, yeah. Anna Ferris seems to just kind of be stupid and horny yeah. in this movie. Like, that's all she's really bringing. That's all she brought. But she's pretty good at it. I, yeah. I thought she was great. I I thought all the performances were good. I, well, I thought at one point you were like, is she a bad actress? Oh, yeah. I think that's just young Anna Ferris. I don't think Anna Ferris is a very good actor when she was first getting started. <laughs> Which, I mean, we're not very good podcasters when we're first getting started. True. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, the first hour was very slow. We're like, okay, when are things going to start to happen? And then when it finally did happen, you're like, holy shit. Like, yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Like, I really like the woman. So I don't think, I think Lucky McKee knows what he's doing. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. So yeah. I was thinking about it today and I'm wondering. You know, the first hour is just this really awkward kind of romance film mm-hmm. where May is trying to figure out how to basically interact with people. She acts like she's she's got a... been living in the woods for years. She doesn't know how to interact with people, and it's just really awkward and uncomfortable. And she, like, develops a crush on this guy that she yeah. sees, you know. She sees his hands. Got, got perfect hands. Got perfect hands, and she's she, obsessed with them. Yeah, she constantly fixates on people's body parts. Like, one of the first things she says to Anna Ferris's character is, you've got a beautiful neck. Yep. Uh, she admires a woman's legs, her gams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another guy's tattoo on his arm, so on and so forth. She, yeah. she can't focus on a person as a whole being just on the perfect element of that person. Right. Um, but yeah, the first movie just feels really slow and awkward and uncomfortable and sad. Mm-hmm. And then the last like 30 minutes, she starts killing people and taking their body parts to make the perfect person. And it's weird. Cause at that point I'm like, Oh, finally, which, something's happening <laughs> yeah which like does that is that what the you know what lucky mckee intended was? is like we would rather see pain and bloodshed than awkward uncomfortable situations or a person that is not quote-unquote normal i don't know maybe uh, yeah i don't know yeah i, I think that's uh, that's the interpretation that i like kind of you know one of the you know kind of putting the audience you know on blast and saying you know you'd rather yeah see this lady you know chop off a guy's hands or slit anna ferris's throat than see her fail at a social interaction interesting yeah yeah or maybe that's just kind of the way i felt and yeah. I, I don't feel great about it but interesting yeah but uh yeah the last 30 minutes uh and i i like the last 30 minutes also because may becomes more confident and like how messed up is that? She she starts killing people and she becomes likable. That is so weird. God, isn't is it? that yeah? That am is I, weird. Am I a bad person? <laughs> I think I might be a bad. Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get a therapist and talk to them about this because yeah, now I'm not sure how to feel about myself. Uh, but yeah. No, I get it though. Yeah. So, yeah. Solid performances. Oh yeah. Uh, there's uh, this lady that Anna Ferris is messing around with seeing because Anna Ferris is. A lesbian. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think if she had any male 
don't interest. Think I don't think so. It seemed to be pri- primarily female. Yeah. Um, so there's a girl that she's messing around with, and uh, she's got great legs. And uh, at one point, May is like, uh, why don't you turn around so I can look at your legs? And she goes, I thought you called them gams. Oh, she's, And she says, like, uh, sticks, wheels, whatever. And I was like, wheels. Wheels is dope. <laughs> never I never hear wheels. <laughs> oh, man. I like those wheels. Mm. <laughs> I feel like it doesn't ring the same to me. I like it. Like it's your wheels. Mm. I don't know. Gams don't... sounds better to me, but Gams is old timey. It is. Wheel like Wheels it. is old timey, but it's cool old timey. Gams is like my grandma would be like nice, I don't know. nice gams. When I, I hear know. wheels, I, I think, think my think grandma a car. would talk about my gams. Yeah. Like oh that's a oh, cool set of wheels. You know another good one? Get up sticks. What? Get up sticks really Get up sticks? I'm pretty sure that's a thing. (laughs) Guys, come on. That's not a thing. Dang, you see the get up sticks on that girl? Get up Mm. sticks? Ooh. Oh, that's not sexy at all. No, I think that's really good. (laughs) Get up sticks. Oh, you're going to get a weird reaction from me if you ever say that to me. (laughs) I already say weird stuff to you. It's not be a first. Get up sticks. Get up sticks. Last one. We just watched it about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, it's super fresh. Well, yeah. And I mean, this is the second time we've seen it, but we picked up on so much stuff uh, the second viewing. It's definitely worth a second watch if you haven't. The first viewing is is tough because it's it's a really tough movie. It deals with some very serious real life. Uh, difficulties with family and mm-hmm. loss and grief. Yeah, and, mourning and yeah, and and resolving feelings. You know, forgiving. And f- mm-hmm. You know, it's tough. Um, they got a really short synopsis on IMDb. <laughs> a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences. Wow, that that's I mean that says it all and says nothing at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is uh, I'm we're gonna say spoilers because it's so interesting to talk about, but this is a pretty effed up movie. This could be an entire episode of a podcast because I realized watching it the second time, I'm like, it is so dense. Every scene is chock full of story and foreshadowing mm-hmm. and character development. There's no meat on the on the bone or no fat, I guess. All the fat's trimmed off. It's all meat. Yeah. And it's a two hour movie and everything, every scene is vital. It's uh, so cool. Yeah. There's really no downtime yeah. at all. So. And uh, so this one is directed and written by Ari Aster. And uh, let me just, I'm, I'm 90% sure on this, but I want to make sure I'm not saying wrong stuff. Yeah. So he did do Midsommar. Um, apparently he did Munchausen. I've never seen that. I'm going to have to give it a watch because Midsommar and uh, Hereditary are incredible. They're, oh, yeah. they're just beautiful pieces of art that also are uh, uh, crazy and horror movies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and Tony Collette. I love her. She's the best. She's, lo- she's did phenomenal. You ever, did you ever watch, um, oh, what was it? United States of Terra. No. Oh, honey, you got to watch it. I like, for some reason, when you called me honey, it's like when a server calls me honey. <laughs> it's like, oh. That's cute. No, uh, she does an amazing job yeah. with the United States of Terra. Yeah. Uh, basically, she is a person with multiple uh, personalities. Uh, yeah, I, I think I've seen bits when you watched it, and I yeah. know the general story. But uh, yeah, she really seems to bring every single character to life, right? She just kills it. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Love her. Yeah, and Return 
of the man who shall not run, Gabriel Byrne, <laughs> also known as Father Something from Stigmata. Yep. The father that would not run, even though in a scene he should be chasing after Patricia Arquette. And he's like, nah, like, I'll do a walk. little jog. <laughs> Couldn't be bothered. He's, but he's phenomenal in this. Like, the entire time, I'm like, is he a good dad? Is he a bad dad? And, like, he... I mean, he's, like you said, he's he's a present dad. Yes. He doesn't really bring anything, but I feel like maybe they also didn't want to... I mean, the mom yeah. is so... The movie's very much about her. Yes. It feels like everybody else is really falling apart, and Gabriel Burns just, like... He's, like, coaxing. He's he, on autopilot. He's like, like. A, he's like the kid with the finger in the, in the, the dam, the dike, whatever it is. Like... What? He he's just trying to keep everything from totally disintegrating. Yeah, which hundred percent. Again, spoiler alert: when he dies, everything absolutely falls apart. That's oh, when yeah. I feel like he needed to go so that uh, Payman could just have shit, his plan shit hit the fan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 oh, incredible. It's, yeah. yeah it's so disturbing. Yeah, and there was a bunch of stuff I didn't pick up on the first viewing. I remember talking to my, my brother Dylan, who actually did some research on the film, and them using uh, one of the Demon Kings of Hell, I believe, Payman, one mm-hmm. of the nine Demon Kings of Hell. I thought that was so cool, like such an interesting specific that they actually picked this 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 Demon King from, I don't know if he's from literature or if it's theology Probably both, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they picked like a real dude. He was a, a, I believe, a trickster god and one of the nine kings of hell. And yeah, um, I, I mean, we didn't pick this one for a deep dive. I, I didn't because a lot of people have talked about it, and I can't, I can't even get close to scratching the surface. I'm sure of what some great interviews and great pieces on YouTube have done and looked into. It would take like the, the whole hour just to yeah, talk about this movie yeah. for sure. It's every this is probably our most recommended movie for a good reason. Yeah. It is it is a thick, meaty soup of a film. Yeah. Oh, it just fills you up. And I think I think one of our friends thought that it kind of drug a little bit in the middle, which I think on first viewing I could totally see that. Yeah. Because you're not seeing you, you can't. You you yeah. really can. Maybe when you kind of go back and think about it, you'll see. Oh, they were doing this and this and this. Right. But really, this one almost demands repeat viewing. Yeah. I, it's like just as cringeworthy the second time around. Oh yeah, yeah. We were still like, because it it had been uh what a year two max yeah. since we'd seen it, mm-hmm. and yeah, there was still stuff that just that really got me. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot about yeah, this. And this absolutely. is coming up. Oh and, you know. man, yeah. Yeah, phenomenal. It's it's up there as one of the the. It might be the best horror movie of uh, the 2010s. Oh yeah. Yeah, main 2018, up totally. there with uh, Get Out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I said that one's a modern classic. This one, as well, is truly. Man, if you yeah, you want to feel just cringy and just creeped out, the icky whole time. and weird. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Watch it for sure. Yeah. So. All right, so we got through the kind of quick ones we're going through, and now we're going to do a deep dive. Um, oh, yeah, I can't yell because my son's asleep, but yep. d- <laughs> deep, deep dive. <laughs> uh, so this one I know I started last week because I talked forever about the woman. 
Oh, And okay. then you talked about Train to Busan. Okay. So I am happy to do... You good with starting? Yes. Okay. I chose Get Out because mm. Mm. why not? Strap in. So good. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect. So Jordan Peele wrote and directed this movie. Yep. And he, if you don't know him, he's a comedian. He did um, uh, Key and Peele, their sketch comedy show. Along with Keegan Michael Key, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're amazing at it. And mm. so I'm like, okay, he's dipping into horror genre movies. How's this going to go? Yeah. And he knocked it out of the park for me. Girl, he didn't dip in. He jumped just in head first. He's amazing. Social commentary. Just love it. Amazing so much. scares. And there's so much to this movie. I yeah. I'm trying not to go like super detailed in this. I'm going to just hit the bullet points if I can and mm-hmm. you're going to have to help me out. Like sure. speed me up if you sure. need to. Um but basically, yeah, so it's a 2017 movie. It got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. So if you need, you know, proof that this is a great movie, yeah. there you go. Should have been 100. Totally. Um, no, I guess they, let's see, opening weekend, they made $33 million. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gross USA, $176 million. Nice. And then total worldwide, $255 yeah. million. We missed this in theaters, and I'm still bummed that we did. <sighs> yeah. This yeah, is this, this would have been amazing. In yeah, theaters. this and us. I think we missed. I think we missed us in theaters. I think maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, basically the the main characters are, which I don't know if we knew. So Daniel Kaluuya, I think is how you say his, his last name. Um, plays the main character Chris. Mm. Yep. Um, which I don't think I've seen him in anything else prior to that. Think he Prior came to that, after. right. Because, yeah, he was in Black Panther after. Yes. Is that right? Pretty sure. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. Um, Allison Williams plays his girlfriend, Rose. Yep. Catherine Keener is Al- or is uh, Rose's mom. And then Bradley Whitford is Rose's dad. So, basically, the storyline is Chris and his girlfriend, Rose, go upstate to visit her parents for the weekend. At first, Chris reads the family's overly accommodating behavior as nervous attempts to deal with their daughter's interracial relationship. But as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries lead him to a truth that he could have never imagined. Yeah. Um, yeah, and basically the movie opens up with, you know, she's coming to bring him coffee. He's packing to spend this weekend with her parents. Um, and he's kind of nervous because he he's asking her point blank, did you let them know that I'm black? Right. And she's like, no, but it's not going to be a big deal. I mean, my dad voted for Obama. Would have voted him for a third term if he could have. Yeah, a... exactly. Um, you know, so there's really nothing to be worried about. Like, they're going to be fine with it. Yeah. And it's really fun because throughout this whole movie, his, I guess it was his cousin. I don't think I realized that in the movie. They said oh, the yeah. I think they mentioned that early. Yeah. Yeah. His cousin Rod is like yeah. the comedy relief. Played by Lil Rel. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And he does a really good job. Yeah. I guess he did a lot of ad lib of his lines. Oh, you could totally tell. He's, yeah. He just goes on and on. Um, I think he, in a good way. Yeah, so throughout the whole movie, he's kind of like warning him, like, I don't know, this is a white girl, and you're, you're meeting her parents, like, mm. be careful, mm. like, don't go, type of thing. Um, but I guess on the way there, they end up hitting a deer, and the, she calls a cop, or a cop comes, and basically there's a, a moment where the cop asks for Chris's ID. And she kind of, Steps yeah, he in wasn't and, driving. Why do you yeah, need his ID? Yeah, why do you ID? need his ID? Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. the one that drove. You know, so she basically insinuates that the, the cop is racist. Mm-hmm. 
And so instead of getting into an argument with the girl, the cop is just like, okay, just be safe and you're on your way. Right. Uh, oh, you know, I'm going to come back to that. Never mind. I found out an interesting fact that I didn't put together when I was watching the movie, but I'll, it'll be my fun facts. Cool. Um, but yeah, once they get there, you know, the, the family's super welcoming and you don't, you think like, oh, wow, you know, they're very warm and inviting. Yeah. You could tell that they have a lot of money because it's like this huge estate that they inherited from the dad's parents yeah. that used to live there. Yeah. I don't remember what they did. Uh, I believe neurology. I, I think the that's kind of a yes. thing that's passed down from father to son is an interest in neurology. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, they come in, they get settled, they catch up with them. You know, they kind of end up having sort of a awkward conversation where the dad's like, how long have you guys been together? Yeah. You know, and... Let me take you on a. Um, or they kind of like touch base on the whole black thing for a second because then he yeah, brings up Obama. The, the dad, the dad brings it up. Uh, I think because they they do have people working for them at the house. They have a uh, woman that kind of uh, I don't I don't know the proper term. She works in the kitchen and cleans up and stuff. And then they have a guy who kind of maintains the grounds. And mm-hmm. they're both black. And he says like, "Hey man, I get it." Like. You know, white family with with black employees working at the house. Like I see how this looks. Yeah, but he says they took care of my uh, my parents mm-hmm. when they were dying, and then when they passed, I couldn't I couldn't fire them. So we just brought them on to work in a different capacity. Right, right. Um, so basically, after um, that, the dad is starting to give him you know this big tour of the house and the estate and everything. Um, and he shows him a picture of his dad, yep. Rose's grandpa, and kind of goes along, tells them the story that he used to be an Olympic runner mm-hmm. and that he was, was he going for gold? And then I think um, a black runner won and it really rubbed the dad the wrong way. I want to say Jesse Jackson, but I feel like that's not right. I don't remember what. This is embarrassing. It was, it was the black runner that ran uh, and won gold in the 1943 Berlin Olympics against it was uh, it was in Germany, and uh, Hitler was there, and Hitler was oh, yeah. saying, you know, the Aryan race will win, and then uh, maybe it was Jesse Jackson. Oh, I feel I terrible. Remember. Regardless, this black man comes in, kicks everybody's ass, and the dad has it as kind of a point of pride, but he says that yeah, his dad ran against him, and of course lost. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he says something along, along the lines of like his dad almost got over it or something like that. Never really yeah, got over it. Yeah, that's what, what he was. what he insinuates. Yep. Um, and then he, when he meets the maid, who again is a, a black woman, mm-hmm. um, and she's very Stepford like. Yes. Like she's she's kind of awkward. She's in the kitchen and she has just this weird smile on her face, um, and so you just you get a weird vibe yeah. from them, you know. Um, and then you could see that there's the handyman on the estate as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, anywho. So, um, where am I going with this? Sorry, I think I, I, think I cut ahead you of your notes. Bit. I apologize. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I just love like, this movie so much. I want to talk about it. But, yeah. Uh, um, let's see. Oh, so then uh, later on, he learn- Chris learns that Rose's mom is a hypnotist. And they kind of go into that as to... She's a therapist. Is a therapist? Yes. But she uses hypnotism yes. on her clients. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, and so they, they notice that he's a smoker, asks if he smokes, and that she could help him essentially quit smoking. With with hypnotherapy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Um, and he finds it a little weird and politely declines and things like that. Because it's weird. It is weird. Especially you've just met your girlfriend's mom and I can totally hypnotize you. Right? No. <laughs> no. Any Anybody knows. Over the line a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he meets the brother, which the brother is just, I don't know how to describe him. Cokehead weirdo? Yeah. Okay. Who's really into, what was it, jiu MMA, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wants to prove that he can... I don't know. The whole con- like dinner conversation that yeah. they had that night was really awkward. Yeah, he almost wrestles with him. Wants to, he's act, you know, he's being a brother, but he kind of it looks like he wants to show his physical supremacy over Chris. Yeah. But he's also just a drunk, coked up weirdo, and the mom like totally shuts it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a jarring way. Super awkward. Yeah. But I guess that night everyone goes to bed. Chris kind of wakes up in the middle of the night, wants to go outside to have a smoke. And then has a weird interaction with the handyman mm-hmm. um, because you just see this handyman sprinting towards him. Terrifying. Terrifyingly. And at the last second, darts around him. Yeah. And so he's like, well, that was awkward. Yeah. Weird. Um, and then he sees the maid up in the window in the kitchen and she's just kind of like lovingly looking at herself in the Touching reflection. Touching her skin. Yeah. yeah. And smiling really creepily. And um, so, yeah, you just, you get a feeling that there's something going on. Um but yeah, so he goes back inside and the mom is waiting in the entry room and she's like, come sit with me, you know, you know, come have a cup of tea or something. Yeah. Um, so he ends up sitting down with her and she starts to kind of use, stirs the tea in her tea Yeah, cup. she's got a fine china cup as, and a spoon, yeah. Which is crazy because she's doing this as she's explaining to him how she hypnotizes people. Yeah. And she basically says, I use an item to like make the sound, so, right. you know, um, and hypnotizes him he goes into the sunken the scene is incredible it is it's so, good. so cool because you can see um daniel playing chris you can see that she's talking to him and he is losing control like uh-huh. he's he's fighting and he's uncomfortable but he just keeps talking he's compelled and mm-hmm. it is portrayed so well by daniel it's 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 phenomenal he like He's smiling, but he's not like you can tell. He's almost not in control, in control mm-hmm. of some of his finer motor skills because he's getting, you know, he, he's getting hypnotized. Oh, it's 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 so good. Uh, yeah, amazing. And she sends him to basically the sunken place. Oh. I think is what they referred it to as terrifying. Yes, which is basically him kind of having an inner body experience. Ooh, I like that. Right? Yeah, because he's being sucked into a dark black place. Yes. And he's trying to yell and scream and nothing is coming out. Yeah. And you could just see, it almost looks like, I mean, he's fading backwards. And so it's like, you know, what would have been his, you're looking at the mom, but yeah. almost like in a TV screen. Yeah, absolutely. It was so creepy and so well done. It's such a terrifying idea. And then it's like, you know, he, he wakes up the next morning and he's like, did I just dream that? Or, yeah, you know, yeah. he kind of gets freaked out about it. Um, and so then the next day they have this annual event. Um that all these like basically rich white folks come to and it's terrible. <laughs> it just it's... reminds you so much of like, okay, they're coming to a plantation to buy yeah. someone into slavery, which is crazy. Um, so all these white folks are starting to get introduced to him and they ask him very absurd questions of, you know, you know, this woman comes up to him and starts feeling him up like his muscles and everything. Like, yeah. Oh, he's very strong, you know? And, uh, one other guy knows that he's a really good photographer and has yeah. a really good eye. And and the lady that feels him up asks if it's if 
basically once you go black, you never go back. And it's, oh, yeah. ooh, it's awful. Super awkward. Yeah. Um, so again, just makes him feel <laughs> just weird about it. And then he ends up seeing this other uh, black man that's about his age at um, a table. And he goes over to talk to him. And I don't really know how to describe the man. The way that he's Again, dressed. Again, Stepford is pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a nice that's a nice shorthand for uh, how he and the, the housekeeper and the groundskeeper are acting. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he, he says, like, oh, it's, it's so nice to have another brother here. And then uh, the the guy talk the the other black man talks to him and just is is very abnormal. Mm-hmm. And this I guess his wife, this this older white woman comes up and she's like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And he's like, "You know, he was just telling me it's nice to have another uh, person of color around or something right? like that." I was yeah. like, "What the hell? Who is this guy?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think he kind of felt like a recognition to the guy like he kind of felt like yeah him in a way yep you're absolutely right and uh i think there was one point during the party where chris walks upstairs and he's walking through basically everybody at the party and they're talking to each other yeah. and then the moment he's out of ear they all just stop at the same time yeah he walks out of frame upstairs and then everybody stops and turns and just look Ooh. yeah Ooh. so creepy terrifying <laughs> terrifying um but yeah so i guess during this this party they're basically sizing him up because they're gonna play quote-unquote bingo which is they're gonna bid on him and the highest bidder gets to get him yeah buy him i guess um which they don't they don't say it's just a scene where everybody it's a silent auction Mm -hmm. and they have a big picture it's the dad uh running the auction and then next to him is a big picture of chris so you can kind of put two and two together yeah Super creepy. And yeah. as this is happening, he's, he's talking to Rose kind of over by the pond. And um, he, you could tell that he's just not comfortable yeah. there. And they kind of had this conversation. And I think that's when he said, like, I think we should leave, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, pretty. Uh, yeah, I believe so. And she's like, well, you know, if you feel uncomfortable, we can go, yeah. you know, trying to be the supportive girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so within this whole time, his, his cell phone keeps getting unplugged for yeah. some reason yeah. and he realizes well i think that the maid is doing this mm-hmm. and so he's going to his girlfriend about it and yeah yeah the maid the maid kind of confronts him about it and she's like oh i'm you know i'm sorry and oh man what uh, he says something about like uh you know I, i'm just kind of uncomfortable when i'm around this many white people mm-hmm. and she kind of like loses control for a second and she's like get, get out get out like she just whispers it but then all of a sudden, like a tear runs down her face, and and she kind of comes to and she's like, "Oh no, 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 so many no's, um, and uh, you know, explains that no, she's she, you know, loves it there and their their family. Um, we did skip over uh the other uh black man that Chris ran into taking his photo. Yes. And the flash, and uh, it uh. Kind of snaps the guy out freaks out and he charges at Chris and yells, "Get out!" At him, like, "Get out of here! Get the hell out As of here!" As his nose is bleeding and yep. yeah, yeah, um, and uh, but uh, the the mom who is a therapist takes him away and makes him feel better. Uh, you presume by hypnosis, right? Right. And uh, yeah, so I think 
basically from there he starts packing yeah and the girlfriend starts slowly packing kind of getting her stuff together and um you know he he starts to feel really uneasy because he realizes so she had said that he is the first black man that she's ever dated right and then he finds his closet as he as he's packing and it's a photo album and he's going through these photos of her and other black men yeah and he also talks to his cousin rel uh, or uh, Rod. rod and uh the the man that he took a photo of uh, is a guy that they know from like the area That's and he's missing. been missing for months. I think so. Yeah. Um, so that on top of, yeah, finding the box, he's like, okay, it's time to get the hell out of here. Cause I don't know what's going on. Right. Yeah. And at this point you're still like, okay, the girlfriend has nothing to do with this because you know, I guess before you see the photos, you think like, you know, the, mo- the movie is wrong. setting up that she, rides hard for her man yeah like she defends him she is all about him they are a team right yeah um sorry I, I no keep... that's fine yeah and yeah once they they find the photos and he's like kind of in a rush to get out of there yeah. asks for her to get the keys and they go downstairs and you see the the brother is is in front of the doorway with very a, aggressive what was he holding lacrosse stick i believe that's what it was yeah um and the mom comes out, and the dad comes out, and I don't remember what the dad was saying to him. He said something kind of significant oh, to him. Oh, what's what was your it? purpose was the thing he led with, but I can't remember the rest of the stuff he's talking about. Because um, d- they say something about, like, a mind is, you don't want to uh, waste no, it or something. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. Um, regardless, they are being very aggressive in saying that he's really not allowed to leave. And meanwhile... You know, Rose can't find the keys. And they're like, Rose, where's the keys? And he just ends up screaming mm-hmm. at her. And then she goes, oh, they're right. You know, she says, they're right here. She's been stalling the whole time. Like stone face, yep. you know. Yeah. And, and then, so he's kind of like, well, shit, I'm. Yeah. And then the mom knocks him out. Yeah. With, uh, she, she hits, she taps the, uh, her teacup with the spoon. And that's the trigger to knock him unconscious and send him into the sunken place. Yep. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And then I think he, he wakes up tied to a chair yeah in the basement yeah we get quite a bit of a uh, rod time which is a really fun necessary reprieve oh, yes. uh, a lot of comedy like he's um he's trying to go to the police they don't believe him mm-hmm. he gets a hold of rose and um you know he's trying to record her to catch her kind of fibbing and she basically says like oh you've you know you wanted you to wanted fuck me, me. Yeah. yeah and and so he you know he realizes he can't use any of that because it's going to make him look like he's just jealous, mm-hmm. um, and then we we cut back to Chris, yeah, tied up to a chair in the basement at uh, the house. Yeah, and they basically play this video for him that says why he's there. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, about to take part in a procedure uh, where they basically swap consciousness. They go mm-hmm. into it a little further when the gentleman that uh, was uh, talking about how great a photographic eye he has, because Chris is a photographer, this gentleman owns a, um, a what's that term? Gallery. Yes. Owns a gallery, but he's lost his vision. Mm-hmm. He has his assistant explain all of the work to him. Um, and so the, he basically says that, you know, they're going to, you know, move most of my brain into your head, but they're going to leave the kind of the basal ganglia or something towards the base of the spine right? Um, so that you will be there. You'll be in the sunken place, but you're going to be a passenger from now on and I'm going to be driving. It's going to be me operating so your body and you're just going to kind of be in the background in the sunken place. Um, so, you know, here we go. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, he tries to say like, oh, I'm not like all these other people that want you for fashion or strength. I want your, I want your eye, your photographic mm-hmm. uh, eye, which is still kind of shitty in my opinion. Yeah. I, I still don't think that's great to take over somebody's body for that. But he, you know, he tries to absolve himself somewhat. Yeah. Um, but he also kind of doesn't care because he's got a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point... Uh, I think we cut to uh, Chris sitting in the chair. We might cut back to Rod for a minute, then back to Chris in the chair. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, on the there's a TV in front of him. That's where he's getting all this information. Uh, you see the mom stirring the teacup and hits the cup. And so he goes down in the sunken place. Yeah. And uh, Dad is a prepping rich white guy for surgery, cutting his head open and all this stuff, <laughs> taking out, like, removing his scalp and everything. And uh, brother is uh, the brother of the family is trying to get Chris out of the chair and move him into operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out Chris dug out a bunch of filling from the arm, the arms of the chair, put them in his ears, so the the cue didn't work. Right. Um, the hypnotic trigger, and so he, he was just able to get free from. Yeah. So he beats the piss out of the brother with like a croquet ball. Yeah. Which I don't know. That might be a, you know, that's a rich white person thing to beat somebody with so that's maybe that's poetic um and sorry i'm kind of taking this over is that no, okay that's totally fine okay um we're getting towards the end of it anyways and then mm-hmm. chris find there's a big old antler mounted antler head in front of him the whole time above the tv and he takes that off the wall and impales the dad of the family with it right um which i believe is supposed to be kind of the 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 whole deer symbolism uh, I believe when uh, slaves were being traded, a lot of times they'd be referred to as bucks, the male mm-hmm. the male slaves. So that's uh, commentary on slave trade, things like that, and the inhumane uh, 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 American history of inhumane treatment of, of black men. And I was looking that up, actually, yeah. and uh, there was... Uh, um, so, yeah, basically there was... Um, it could be interpreted as black buck as well, hmm. which um, black buck was a, a racial slur used to describe a certain type of African-American men. In particular, the caricature was used to describe black men who absolutely refused to bend to the law of white authority oh, and were seen as irredeemably violent, rude, and lecherous. Wow. So that would make That's... sense why they would have that like up there. Absolutely. It's like, we are the dominant. We tame the buck. Right? Yeah. Ooh. And that crazy? I had no idea. Yeah. I, I think I just knew about the surface level. That's incredible, honey. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was like, holy cow. That's nuts. Jordan Peele, man. You yeah. really just, oof. Yep. Anyhow. Um, so Chris runs upstairs and finds mom uh, and she tries to hypnotize him, but he breaks the glass, the cup that she'd been mm-hmm. using as the trigger. And then she tries to stab him with a letter opener, but he turns it around on her, kills her real quick. And uh, I think does the I think Chris Oh, Chris is about to get out of the house, but brother turns out he's not dead from the croquet ball. And he's trying to choke him out. Mm-hmm. Um I don't remember how Chris kills him. Oh gosh. He ends I he ends up remember. stomping his head in. But he yeah, he somehow turns the tables on him and uh-huh. stomps his head basically into the ground they don't really show it they just show him stomping the crap out of him right uh and then chris gets outside he's about to drive off and then the housekeeper he runs over the housekeeper 
He does. And then his guilty conscience is basically like, no, I need to help her. So yeah. he grabs her, puts her in the car, yeah. starts to drive again. In the meantime, Rose is upstairs. Was she looking for new? She's like, she's trolling for, for new black men to seduce. That's right. Yeah. As she's doing this, it's so creepy because she's eating single Fruit Loops. Yep. And then has a glass, glass of, milk of milk next to it. Yeah. And it was, it's just so weird. And actually, um, I think I saw there was somebody that said, Oh, I love that Jordan Peele did that because it was like a form of like segregating colors and white. Yeah. I, I saw an interview with him talking about fan theories. And That's right. somebody brought up, like, was that segregated? Like, was that purposeful? And he goes, Oh, no, I love that though. I, we just thought it was weird. Like, we yeah. just thought it was creepy. Like, to just kind of meticulously eat a fruit bro- or a fruit loop and then drink some milk, like just some white milk. You're a grown woman <laughs> drinking white milk, like just like that. I don't know. I thought that it, so it's cool. a weird visual and she's super pale now and just creepy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she's up there. She's listening to music while she's trolling for a new guy to seduce and bring home. And then it's like she can hear some ruckus downstairs. Yeah. So she, you could tell that she's, you know, going to investigate. And then I think, uh, let's see, so they're in the car, they're yeah. driving away. Um, you can, uh, uh, the housekeeper's wig has fallen off, so you can see the horrible scar around her head. Mm-hmm. So you know the procedure was done to her. You come to find out that uh, the housekeeper uh, is now being controlled by grandma of the family, oh, yeah. and the groundskeeper is being co- controlled by grandpa. Uh, so Chris gets her in the car, she wakes up, and she's like, you've ruined my house, starts beating on him, runs into a tree. Grandma dies. He crawls out of the car, mm-hmm. and uh, Rose has a gun, a rifle, and is shooting at him. And then she sicks the groundskeeper, aka Grandpa, uh, on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start tussling and wrestling. He's a he's a gigantic man. He's a big dude, large human being. And uh, Chris is able to get out of his camera and takes a picture. And the flash wakes him up. And Rose walks up the gun, and groundskeeper Grandpa says, "Let me do it." Mm-hmm. takes the rifle from her and then shoots Rose and then turns it on himself and kills himself. Yep. Don't blame him a bit. Not at all. Yeah. No no way to go through life being controlled. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. There's um, no way to come back from Yeah. And then Chris, uh, Rose is not dead. She was shot in the, st- uh, in the stomach and she's about to go for the gun again while she's laying on the ground. Chris mm-hmm. moves it away and he starts to choke her about to kill her and she smiles at him like a real oh, creepy so smile creepy. and he eventually uh relents he stops choking her mm-hmm. and um and rod comes well it's and a really it's a great reveal though because first you just see you hear like a boop boop of like a police car and you see uh sirens so of course um rose looks happy because she's the poor white woman. She's about to and get saved. And Chris pulling a Karen. Yeah. And Chris Help immediately me. puts his hands up. He knows, like, like I got to put my hands up. Nobody's going to believe me. And Rod steps out. Yeah. There was an alternate ending where it was a white police officer. And it was mm-hmm. a really, like, they thought it was too dark. Um, but it was Rod. Rod came to save the day. And the movie ends, I believe, with these lines. Of basically Chris like asking like you know, um, or Rod giving him shit about like I told you not to go to this house, and then Chris is like, "How did you find me?" He goes, "I am T S motherfucking A. We handle shit. Consider this motherfucking handled." And they so they drive off. It's, uh, 
yeah, it's an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's so good. It's it's rich. Um, just you know, similar to Hereditary, uh, using a visual medium to uh, provide like metaphors and uh, analogies for uh, history and and uh, you know, I'm it's late, so I'm not doing a good job of explaining anything. But it is just a rich film to dig into, dive deeper. But also, if you just want to stay surface level, it's extremely entertaining. You know what was interesting is uh, I was looking up fun facts from the movie, and uh, the music that kicks in after the opening scene is sung in Swahili, and Mm. apparently according to the composer, the voices represent the souls of slaves and lynching victims who are warning Chris not to visit Rose's parents. The Mm. lyrics translate to, Brother Run, Listen to the Elders, Listen to the Truth, Run Away, Save Yourself. That's incredible. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And then the next song is Get Woke. Oh, Yeah. I was like, was that wait? Was that at the beginning? Yeah. Was uh, that was by uh, Childish Gambino? Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's a prime example of it's it's a haunting. The song itself, the intro and outro songs are are very haunting, mm-hmm. and you can, yeah, you can tell. Like, I didn't know they're Swahili, but um, you could tell it it appeared to be kind of an African dialect. Right. Um, if you just kept it at that, it's great. But if you dig deeper into Jordan Peele's uh, meaning behind many things in the film. It's even better. Same, he did so much. Yeah, same thing with Ari Aster and Hereditary. Yeah. Um, it's it's just great. Yeah. Oh, and then the one thing with uh, Rose hitting the deer and then she made the big, big stink to the cop. Yeah. Apparently that was because she didn't want any paper trail to uh, with Chris. Uh, to uh, lead Chris to, lead the, him house. to the family. Of course. I'm of like, course. who'd have thought of that? Oh, you know? God. I, I just... I, I thought it was something as simple as she just wanted to present as the defensive girlfriend right. and she is an ally. Yeah. But yeah, of course. Makes, Makes total, total sense. sense. Yep. 100%. <laughs> it's crazy. All right. So I'm not going to go too deep into this one. Just like last time, I feel like, I mean, you did a phenomenal job, honey. Oh, um, but especially when you dig into a movie you love. like I could go on and on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So... Um, I wanted to talk about We Go On. This is one that my brother Dylan recommended to me. On Wednesdays, we have Dylan recommend movies. And uh, um, this is one that is a Shutter exclusive. And uh, let me... Uh, oh, you know what? I took some notes on it as well. Let me get those real quick. So, We Go On. Uh, it was uh, directed... And the story by uh, story was by Andy Milton and Jesse Holland, and uh, uh, Andy Milton also did the screenplay. Uh, Jesse Holland did the story. Uh, apparently, this is the same team that uh, brought us. I want to say it was Yellow Yellow Brick Road. Um, yeah. I might be getting that wrong. I've heard of it. I've never seen it, but I really want to watch it now because I really liked We Go On. Yeah, um, that was a really good movie. Yeah, really creative film. Some I thought that was interesting on IMDb. IMDb, it's a 5.8 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has it as 100%. Weird. I don't know if the website I was looking at was just wrong or what, but uh, huh. yeah, it's it's a it was just a really cool concept. So uh, Miles Grissom offers $30,000 to the first person who can prove to him that we go on after death. Uh, so I'm not going to dig in too deep into this movie. I'm just going to hit some major uh, story points. Uh, we meet Miles. Um, he's driving a car, and all of a sudden the brakes go out and the steering locks, and he can't do anything. And uh, we see him kind of like 
ducking cover in this car and we hear a crash and then he wakes up. Um, he turns out he has an incredible debilitating fear of dying. Uh, it, it really affects his life negatively. His quality of life is very poor, even at work, uh, for work. He is a, uh, an editor for like crappy infomercials, Yeah, you know, you'll see at night. Um, and uh, I believe his his aunt, I think, left him some money to kind of help him out with his new lifestyle since he's so yep. overcome with fear. He decides uh, to use all of that money to post a, a, an ad in the, what would that be? In the paper, in whatever, the paper. paper and website, basically saying that he'll pay $30,000 to anybody who can provide him with definitive truth that death is not the end, that we continue to exist after death. Mm-hmm. He says, show me a ghost, show me God, show me heaven, whatever. Just show me that we don't die and we're done. Um, his mom finds out about this, who his mom, uh, uh, her name was, is, um, I believe it's Annette O'Toole. Yep, yeah, that's Annette O'Toole. She was adult Bev in the It TV miniseries. It starred uh, Tim Curry. And she was also Superman's mom in Smallville. Apparently, there's a few actors in this that uh, were on Smallville. I never there watched, were? I guess. I watched Smallville. There, there, was, there was some like a uh, little fun trivia fact. Uh, yeah, Cassidy Freeman, Annette O'Toole, and John Glover all starred together in the TV series Smallville. Show me the pictures. Okay. <laughs> uh, Annette O'Toole, John Glover, somebody else. Huh. Any hoozles. Crazy. So, uh, mom finds out about this. She's kind of pissed. Um, we find out that uh, his dad died when he was young in a car accident. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Said the freeway took him. Um, but, uh, you know, he's not relinquishing. He needs proof that we continue to, to exist after death. And mom's like, all right, well, I don't trust anybody. She's she's kind of a tiger mom. She's mm-hmm. she's defensive of her adult son, which well, is I think she's very much cool. a realist, too. Oh, she, she's she a total skeptic. Yep. So they start going through these thousands of submissions. Oh, yeah. Hundreds, at least. Uh, and it's, it's in uh, L.A., and uh, they go through, and they're like, uh, after looking through all of them, they're like, okay, we got like this many masturbators, this many Jesus freaks, this many uh, pranks, um, and they basically boil it down to three good, solid leads, mm-hmm. and then one voicemail that's a little creepy. Yeah. Yeah, a voicemail that's like, hey, man, if you want to save the other side, I can help you out. Uh, uh, there's dead people all around. I'm talking to one lady right now. She said she saw you in the uh, grandfather the clock. clock. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they kind of write that off as just kind of a weirdo, but interesting. But uh, the three leads that they want to chase after are one is a scientist who believes that he can uh, uh, create like a, a circumstance where he will see a ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is a, a woman who is a mystic uh, or a medium, yeah. medium. Yeah, works in a restaurant um, and she can, you know, talk to spirits. And the third one is a rich dude who spent all his money searching for the same thing that he did and he believes he can show him. Uh, so they start with the scientist and the scientist basically says, you know, uh, where, like, where is the place that you were most scared in your life? And is at this middle school, uh, where he knew a kid, this little scrawny kid who so was, sad. yeah, really sad. He gets shoved into a locker and then like everybody goes home for Thanksgiving vacation, I think something like that. And nobody comes back 
until after vacation he's long dead in this yeah. locker extremely sad so he's like okay well i gotta take you back to that middle school and uh takes him there has him drink like kind of this salt uh thing to sort of awaken his it's it's not uh, yeah it's not like senses. a peyote thing or anything it's just kind of some uh, some amino acids and stuff to try and kind of make him the most scared that he can the idea is that he is so scared um that it opens him up to this mm-hmm. this kind of this other realm uh so he goes into the school and he's wearing a headset uh earphones and a mic so he can talk to the guy and the guy's talking through talking through what to do call out to the kid go to the locker he goes to the locker he opens it up and uh it says something in there like uh the coffin locker that's what kids yeah. called it it's written in like sharpie or something sharpie yeah um and then all of a sudden he closes the locker and he looks to his left and there's a young boy standing in a doorway right next to him and he books it and the kid starts crawling into the locker <coughs> it's a uh, very scary it's really really uh uh, well done. And the guy runs out and he's like, Oh my God, I can't believe what I saw him. Like you did it. Mom walks around the corner. And she goes, Hey, I caught a ghost. One of those ghost catchers. Mm-hmm. The guy hired a kid. The yeah. guy, and the scientist tries to explain, like I had the kid as a fail safe in case nothing happened, but I do believe in this. Mm-hmm. Like tries to explain it, but you know, his credibility is lost. Next, they go to the lady. Uh, she works in a restaurant, lives above the restaurant with her family. And, uh, again, I'm going to try and make this quick. Uh, she's just kind of scatterbrained. Mom accuses her of being on drugs, um, but uh, she's just surrounded by ghosts and tormented. Um, and it's just too much for them to handle, so they leave because they're like, well, this lady's obviously insane or on drugs or both. Right. Third, they're about to go up to this rich guy, but uh, uh, Miles sees an old high school buddy of his. He's like, hey, man, what's up? What are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm working. I, I work, uh, I do special effects. Special effects. Um, Usually I just work out of my office, but this one guy wants me to set up all this stuff like and wants to scare the crap out of this guy and show a ghost. Clearly, he's setting stuff up to dupe Miles. Mm-hmm. So they walk away. They never even pursue that guy. Um, so Miles is pretty distraught, and uh, the mom kind of talks about how uh, she's okay with there not being an after because mm-hmm. she doesn't want anybody judging her because she feels like she's kind of... She failed her, his father, and, like, she doesn't want it to go on. She just wants it to be over when it's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, uh, she's an awesome actor. I can't believe I haven't seen her in more stuff besides, like, Smallville and the miniseries because I think she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's like, no, we're not done. There was still that voicemail guy. And so uh, the voicemail guy in the voicemail basically says, hey, if you want to meet with me, I do my walk uh, at this park near the airport at 6 a.m. You can meet me out there. Miles goes out there, meets him. The guy's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and takes him to this, like, old abandoned house near the airport where, like, rich people used to live. It's like, hey, man, yeah, you go up there. Um, let's go up there. It's You'll in there. The yep. Takes him up there, and he's like, go in the room. That's where he is. Like, you know, and you'll, you'll see the other side. And Miles goes in the other room, and the same guy that he was just talking to, his corpse is in there. And uh, all of a sudden, Miles passes out in a in a pool of like awful blood oh, and so feces. Uh, it's disgusting. <laughs> um, but uh, this, uh, this ghost basically says like, you know, we're together forever or something like that. Right. Miles passes out again, wakes up and he is essentially inundated with spirits. Like he is totally opened up to 
all spirits. Yes, yes. But uh, specifically the guy that let him in there, he has tethered himself to Miles. He mm-hmm. has attached himself because he died alone and he doesn't want to go anywhere. He's stuck here, but he doesn't want to be stuck alone. So now he's stuck to Miles. Um, you find out that the guy is stuck because there was a girl around that he loved and he wants her to die too so he has somebody to go to the afterlife with mm-hmm. um miles go just goes to his funeral and uh sees the the lover there the ex-lover and she hates the guy she's oh, like i'm glad passion. he's dead you know yeah. i cleaned up my life i've got a kid um there's more to it but i'm gonna kind of skim through this quickly um and of course miles isn't gonna kill this lady but the mom has this little pea shooter in her purse, a little gun, goes up and is about to execute her, shoot her in the back of the head, but Miles took her bullets, which is a really dark scene. Like it's, yeah. it's. I mean, there's that that the the idea of uh, a mom will do anything for her son kind of comes back a little mm-hmm. later, but still, it's pretty gnarly. Um, so Miles is trying to figure out what to do, and uh, actually come to find out that his dad didn't die in a car accident. Dad hung himself yeah. because he was open up to this realm as well. So sad. And he couldn't handle it, and he killed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Miles tracks down the, the medium again because he knows now that she was right and she was tormented by spirits. And I really like this part. He basically, he's like, okay, I have to live with this now. Like, this is just the way that it is. Like, I'm going to try and do the walks at the park near the airport at 6 a.m. every day because that's what the spirits, the spirit that is attached to me likes. Right. And I'm going to try and kind of make him feel as normal as possible so that he doesn't just scare the crap out of me all the time. Um, and so he, it, it seemed like a metaphor of, like, living with a mental health issue or mm-hmm. – uh, you know, maybe a terminal illness. It's the idea of this isn't going away. I have to find my new normal and live with this, which I really liked. I thought that was super cool. Um, But then, uh, so the mom's been staying with him and eventually he's like, mom, I'm fine. Like, I'm going to deal with this. You can go. Um, And uh, he gives the mom the the cashier's check for $30,000 to give to the medium because the medium was right. Um, so he's going on his walk around the park, walking his spirit around, the the tethered spirit, <laughs> and that tethered spirit's girlfriend shows back up, and she's like, "Hey, just thought I'd talk to him and tell him to leave you alone because you seem like a nice guy." But then she pulls out a gun and shoots him, mm-hmm. and he's like, "The guy's dying on the ground." He's like, "You know, I never would have hurt you." And she's like, "Well, you say that, but I know this this guy that's attached to you. He's a total jerk. Yeah, he's not gonna leave you alone until you kill me." I've got a kid. I've got to, I've got to be there for my child, mm-hmm. much like his mother when his mother was about to shoot the same lady. Right. Um, I've got to be there for my kid. I'll do anything for my kid, including killing you. Um, simultaneously, uh, Miles's mom is giving her the check, the the medium the check, and she's like, "You got to go save your son now. Your husband is here, and he's telling me that your son is in." You need to be with your son. Yes. So she goes racing towards him, but uh, he dies on the steps by this park. Um, I don't remember exactly what happens after, but he wakes he wakes up on a gurney. Mm-hmm. Basically, they use the paddles, brought him back to life, and he's like, 
you know, mom, I'm back and the spirit didn't, isn't with me. So the idea is he died. Um, the big caveat in the movie was if you die, the spirit goes untethers from you. you or goes with you. So he died. Spirit goes to the afterlife, but he came back. Right. Um, so now the end of the movie is basically he's driving a car now. Um, he's living his life, you know, quote unquote normally. What's normal anymore? Right. 2020. Um, and there's a, there's a second where his steering locks up and his brakes lock. And he starts to panic for a second, but then he, it gets fixed. He figures it out and he mm-hmm. goes back traveling. And I, you know, it ends with like, I guess the idea is you just got to kind of keep going. You got to figure it out. You got to, you got to get better. Like the only way to get through this life is to deal with your, your traumas and process them and grow from them and keep moving forward, Mm -hmm. which I don't think is a bad message either. Not at all. Assuming I'm not butchering it and just, you know, getting everything wrong. But Honestly, if it would have ended with him just having to live with this spirit, I would have been fine with that too. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like, I, I think both have their own, I think both are strong character growth for this character. Yeah. And, you know, him saying, I've, I've got to live with this now, but it seemed like he had more resolve of like, I've got to, you know, live with this. But then that does seem like maybe a more full character arc of being terrified of everything to mm-hmm. coming back from death and, and overcoming everything and now kind of being normal again, quote unquote normal again. The new normal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, either it way, pace to it. I really it did. That it, was it really movie. moved. Yeah. Cool concept. I thought maybe it'd be like a movie with three vignettes of like, oh, first he meets the crazy science guy and then he meets the like medium. A Christmas story. Yeah. But that was like the first half of the movie. And then it gets into like the real just tons of ghosts stuff. And it was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think ton of fun. Um, a lower budget movie, it appeared. Uh, just, but just. Uh, Definitely watch. Yes. Yeah. I, I think uh, fun. A lot yeah. of. A really enjoyable film. You're mm-hmm. not going to come out, you know, 90 minutes later. I don't think being like, well, that was a waste of time. I think it's entertaining. Absolutely, it's absolutely entertaining. 100%. You know, we talked about Hereditary and Get Out. Those are, I think, those are like cinema gold. Those are art. This, I mean, this is of course art, right? You know, but uh, just not as, not as high level. Not as many layers. You know, yeah. Like Shrek. Shrek's like a parfait. This one isn't Shrek. Like, this one's Donkey. You know, <laughs> which is still good. I love Donkey. Who doesn't? Yep. All right. So, this one went fairly long, but that's okay. We're tired. But hey, everybody's tired. It's 2020. What are we looking forward to this coming week? Oh, boy. Um, I guess this is the last week of our 31 horror movies in 31 yeah. days. Yeah, the horror movies have been a ton of fun. Oh, we've, yeah. we've gotten to throw in some some comedies, some more lighter stuff, some stuff that we... Never watched like, before. Getting into Stir of Echoes again was kind of nice nostalgia porn for me mm-hmm. and somewhat actual porn for me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it'll be nice to kind of step away. Um, something I'm looking forward to this upcoming week, season two of The Mandalorian. The first episode launches October 30th. Cool. Yeah, that we talked about. You didn't really, you didn't watch the first season. No. I really loved the first season. I oh, thought it was I'll just watch it. a cool kind of Western in space kind of feel. It's it's phenomenal. 
Uh, yeah, so I'm really pumped about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, excited to get away. And I'm excited for the new format we're going to be doing in November. Yeah. Are you going to talk to me about that? I can tell you what the theme is. Yeah, so uh, so instead of doing a movie every day, again, not sustainable. We got a kid. We, we got <laughs> we got we got work. Um, uh, Garrett Garrett Burton at AT Real Estate, no big deal. Uh, uh, so yeah, so instead, what we're gonna do is each week, uh, well, let me back up. Each month, we are going to choose a theme for that month. It can be anything, broad, specific. Um, you know, it could be food, or it could be 17th century China, or whatever. So let us Who know knows? if you have suggestions. Please, that'd be great. Yeah, and so we're going to take turns choosing themes for the month. Yeah. And then each week, uh, so for example, uh, next week when we record our final episode for Halloween, Mm -hmm. the Halloween month, we're going to assign each other uh, a word or a phrase or whatever, and we do with that what we please. As long as we can kind of link it back to the theme of the month, I think that's okay. Yeah. Can I give you an example? Sure. Something I thought of, I've been thinking about the concept of Westerns. Okay. But I think, like, if, say, I assigned you the film Seven Samurai. Okay. That I can link back to Westerns in that Seven Samurai was an old Japanese film um, that was then directly adapted to uh, the Magnificent Seven, well-known Western mm. film. Mm-hmm. So as long as you can kind of connect things back to right. to the uh, the main theme of the month, I think you're golden. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So. Um, do you have a theme for us next month? I'm, yes. I'm really excited. Oh, what's it going to so, be? So in honor of Thanksgiving, I thought dysfunctional family. Dysfunctional family. Oh my God. That's so good. Right? It's specific, but it's not. <laughs> oh. Oh, it'd be, yeah. Oh, my mind's going crazy. Family. Guys. So, and, and you pointed out suggestions for months. Absolutely. But now that we know what november is going to be if you guys have any media that you think we should dig Send into them our way books comics movies shows uh music like if there's yeah, a concept not? album or even i mean i wouldn't say just a song like give us something to sink our teeth into but any media that we can take in and talk about and try to do you know do justice by talking about it let us know dysfunctional families yeah who Oh, that's fertile. Uh, plan <laughs> I thought on. it was pretty broad. Yeah. Probably go but five yeah. Different directions. Yeah, broad, but yeah. I, I think that's great. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna start looking up something for you. Same. I think yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw you in the deep end of like, <laughs> you know, some like twenty just, hour long video game. Yeah, I'm let's gonna, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's let's get our, get our toes these. wet. All right. Well, that is gonna do it for this week, guys. Uh really appreciate everybody listening. Um uh, we talked about giving us recommendations. Uh, granted, we've been doing a lot of stuff on social media this month for Halloween, and people have been giving us giving us recommendations that way. That's fantastic. If you want to keep doing that, feel free. We might post an occasional video or two after October. But mm. if you want to send us recommendations, I highly recommend you email us at lifewellspent at yahoo.com. No exclamation point in that, just lifewellspent at yahoo.com. Uh, email us. Give us your recommendations. Uh, let us know what you think of the show and uh, how much you love it. I guess try to be positive. <laughs> Everybody needs that these days. Uh, right. so we wouldn't be mad at that. Um, but thank you all so much for listening. We have a ton of fun doing this. Mm-hmm. So I think if nobody listened, we'd 
probably still do it because absolutely it, why not yeah it's it's but we appreciate you yeah yes thank you thank you thank you let us know uh what you guys want to do what you want us to look into and we still don't have an outro have you thought of an outro no, no. terrible i'm yeah. bad at these yeah um oh boy uh we're still in october um Oh, I could just totally rip off uh, uh, 30 Rock and Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Spooky, scary. Boys <laughs> becoming men. Men becoming wolves. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. Oh, Tracy Morgan did. It was great. Oh, nice. All right. So we'll just rip off a really good show and say goodnight. Yeah. All right. All right. Good night. Thanks. Good night, guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.